Hey there, it's Joe Keyport, and this is the Ear Copy Podcast. For this week's episode, I got to talk to one of my favorite bands, Dirty Junk, who last month released their chaotic brand new EP, Open Then Spit. During the interview, we talked the band's beginnings, connecting with Don't Panic Records out of Chicago, and the band's feral new release. It's Ace and Ren of Dirty Junk on the Ear Coffee Podcast. Well, Ace, Ren, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and let me talk to you here for the Ear Coffee Podcast. This is definitely an interview I've wanted to do for such a long time since listening to your record or your EP like last year. But uh, so how's it going here? Well, now on this Tuesday afternoon, evening, what time is it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's going good. I uh, just got done with work, so I'm kind of tired. Mm. Yeah, I, I just went on a long walk <laughs> outside <laughs> and I got really dehydrated. And now I just like I got back inside and then she came to pick me up and just brought me right here. So. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, let's start off just kind of getting some history of the band, and I did want to talk about some of the previous releases you've done, but just kind of talk about and tell me how you got into music and how Dirty Junk formed. You don't have to go crazy back to the beginning if you don't want to, but also that stuff's always fun to to listen to hear people, kind of their first introduction to music and why they went on to play in bands. Do you want I mean, to? You've, still, you've told this one. <laughs> I tell this story all the time because I think it's really funny. Um so I didn't actually like play in bands ever. Dirty Junk is the only band I've ever um, played in. Okay. And so, but I've always been like involved in like punk rock and music. I used to play violin when I was a kid, and then I tried several times to play guitar, and it didn't work out. Um, but so I had just moved to Minneapolis, and my friend Davy Dynamite, who is on Dope Panic Records. Mm-hmm like crazy that I get to be on the same label as him but he hit me up and was like hey you live in Minneapolis now and I'm trying to play there and I was just like yeah come through and then he was like can you set up a show for me and (laughs) because in the past I had run like DIY venues and stuff and like booked shows which Mm -hmm. is kind of weird to be booking shows and I didn't even play music but it is what it is and so I was kind of like I guess you can play in my backyard because he's an acoustic Mm -hmm. act. And then my roommate at the time helped me book that and Ace's band Psybeams played it. And uh, so we met in my backyard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, well, eventually we started. um, So so she had a... uh, drum kit like her roommate had a drum kit uh in her room Mm -hmm. and then i was teaching her stuff on guitar and then she started writing stuff and then i was well there's a drum set here so i'm gonna like start playing drums to this stuff and then we had a few songs and then a friend of us friend of ours asked us to play a show with them and then we're like okay i guess this is like gonna be a band so yeah, so the first three shows we played, we had no hand in booking. It was all just friends of ours insisting that we play. And I was really afraid to do it. I kept telling people, like, no, you don't understand. I'm not actually a musician. But um, we've got a lot of really, like, supportive 
people in our lives. So made it happen. And you're not, you don't originally play the instruments you play in the band. Cause Ren, did you play instruments before? And I like Ace, you played guitar and bass, I believe and yeah. stuff like that. Yep. And I think I heard in the podcast interview, Ren, you played violin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. So I like own three violins at this point with, which is absurd. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to play drums and I really wanted to play bass, but for whatever reason, those instruments didn't work out for me. Okay. Um, but so then I picked up the guitar and that worked fine. How soon after starting were you writing songs to play, to play out live? How quick, I should say, how quickly were you playing out shows after the band formed? I mean, we've had only... Like we got asked to play, so our first show was like right around Halloween. Yeah. And so, and we, I mean, I think we started getting songs together. Well, we got asked to play that show in August. So I mean, it was that summer, basically, that okay. we were starting to put songs together. So it was definitely less than a year, probably less than six months, even. Okay. It was very quick. Which was a big reason why I was like, we're not ready. But also the magic of punk rock is like, you don't actually have to be good at it. You just have to <laughs> want to do it. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, like in songwriting is kind of an antiquated form anyway. Anything can be a song. You don't have to have a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus, chorus until you're done. Uh, but right. yeah. And so the band, is that 2016 the band formed? Uh, it was like winter of 20... Yeah, yeah, it was 2016. Yeah, because it was like that weird like December January mm. thing happening, I think. Right? <laughs> it was like the winter that we started. Well, well, yeah, well, it was the fall. I mean, yeah, yeah like November, yeah. October, November. Everything was so unintentional yeah. that like it's hard to like really remember everything because we didn't yeah, like it had, go it into it. It's going to be like the end of 2016. Because we were playing out quite a bit in 2017. Yeah. And, and yeah. So. Okay. Because because a bandcamp says your demo really was put out in 2017. Oh so, yeah. Early 2017, but I also know sometimes those dates get a little funky. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. We can't be oh. more. We like don't really know. Well, we haven't thought about it. Came out in 2018. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally and we forgot recorded, about we the We recorded demo. Snot, though, in 2017. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so basically, like, everything that we've recorded has come out, like, six months after we, yeah. we did it. So. Yeah, the... Um, I was wondering, uh, did you intend to be a two-piece then, or were you wanting to have eventually more players? Because I know sometimes it's like a, we want to be a duo because of the minimalist aspect and what you can do with that, but I know it's sometimes it's just out of necessity. Yeah, actually, um, well, before, I think before we, like, Ren was actually, like, playing in, in uh, like, with her roommate and a, another friend of ours. Yeah. Um, so they were like a three piece and then, but that just didn't like work out. We had maybe like three practices and then it just, it, yeah, it didn't mm. happen. Yeah. And then, so for dirty junk, we had talked about having a bassist. Um, but then we just got into like a really good groove together 
And also we started touring pretty quickly. Okay. And we realized like with touring too, it's really hard to kind of get everyone on board with the same like availability and like desire to go on tour. Cause that was really like our thing is like, we just wanted to like go do that. Yeah. And just, and just like the fact that like we were already hanging out all the time. So mm-hmm. like, it just made it easier. We could practice whenever we wanted yeah. to and didn't have to, like, wait for someone else. Especially because uh, we were practicing in my room. So <laughs> we'd be hanging out in our room and then be – or in my room. I just didn't live in it. But you may as well have because we were, like, playing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Talking uh, – since I mentioned really that your demo, listening to that today, I didn't realize, like, how – different that ep sounds than what we have your, your new ep which was released uh, middle of last month like so like i hate to get into like the nitty-gritty of like what of genre names and you're like whatever how many sub sub genres you can fit in front of a word but like it's like poppy and grungy and it's hookier than i expected it to sound like was that kind of the initial intention of the songs you were writing or were you just that was just the songs coming out of you at that point in time yeah, that the uh, first songs that we wrote were like literally just like off the cuff. I we're think. like figuring, like, yeah. Yeah. So whereas like the newest EP was very, you know, we took very intentional on like what we wanted to do, and we took more, you know, there was more thought put into mm-hmm. like, well, wait a second, this should be this chord should be that instead, and you know, so. And a lot of it, too, is just, like, our capabilities at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, we always had the intention of being very, like, noisy and uh, wanting to be, like, faster. But I just couldn't play guitar that fast. Mm. And also, I didn't have that much experience moving around the fretboard. So I was using very, like, basic chords when we were first starting out um, and kind of, like, afraid to do anything to different just because I don't know it just mm. took me some time to like come into my own and what I was doing and then as far as drums I think there's probably some like discovery of like what Ace wanted to do probably I'm gonna let him talk about it because that's the instrument yeah again like when it came to drums uh I was just kind of going off of like my limited understanding of of uh drums at that time compared to now mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's like a lot of stuff that I remember wanting to do, but not knowing how to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I know I'm asking a lot of the past right now, and I promise we'll make it to the new EP. I just oh, wanted to get some bass work. Cool. Um, I feel like we're learning about our own band. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then going into work, because you worked with Ollie Jafar on uh, on Snot, and what was it like then going into the studio for that um, for that first record? Because you're you said you're still learning how to play your instruments. You're you weren't as comfortable now now as you were or as you were were then as you are now. What was what was that first studio experience like then? Um, it was. For me, it was scary. I think Ace had recorded in a studio before. Well, yeah, I'd even I'd even worked with Ali before. Yeah. Um, but I mean, when it came to that recording in particular, uh, I don't know. We kind of like rushed through everything really quickly, mm. and 
and, and uh, the end result, like, I, I mean, I can't even, like, listen to that. Yeah, we don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and I personally just didn't have the language to ask for what I needed yeah. or wanted during that mm-hmm. process. And I also didn't know how much was okay for me to ask for. Mm. Like, I remember not wanting to piss off Ali. And that's not because, like, Ali is, like, a someone that's easily pissed off it's just me being a lowly like i don't know what i'm doing and mm-hmm. just not yeah. feeling confident enough in myself to be like this is what i want yeah but it was definitely a learning experience because i think we took out like what we took from that like uh it wound up uh making the next ep a lot better mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah which like when you, you talk about making the next ep better because on your knees i feel listening to it is a direct like a very direct evolution of that first record because like you hear because like you can hear what you want to do and then by the time you get to on your knees it's definitely it's not as noisy i feel like it's much more it's like the sludgier it's a slower record almost Uh which tell me about writing that one specifically because i i noticed between snot and on your knees um like the themes of like assault abuse and toxic people kind of prevail those songs and it in specifically on your knees that record plays like a revenge story of sorts by the time you get to the title track at the end and even like the music video you shot for it it's it 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 feels much more like a progression especially since i've spent time with the lyrics and reading through so kind of talk to me about that record and and like those themes and why they prevail so much. Uh, well, lyrically, um, I am very, uh, I, I'm super passionate about, um, social justice Mm -hmm. issues and like, um, social equity and like Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, for me, during that time, I was really, I don't know, it's hard to, it's hard to explain, but I'm a really shy, anxious person. Like, I'm just, like, 90% of the time, and so the first shows that we were playing, I was barely able to speak on stage, Mm -hmm. Um, but I felt like I had a lot to say, and so I was trying to, like, put all of my thoughts and feelings like into the music um which is also kind of interesting because i remember trying to write lighthearted songs and just like not being able to do it because Mm -hmm. i have so much like pent-up rage about like the world and the things going on um and so to me it didn't feel like enough to just have the songs be about that i wanted to like express that more directly on stage Mm -hmm. And so I think what you can kind of see is like me being a lot more comfortable with saying like, this is what I'm pissed off about it. And like, you should be pissed off about it too. But also like, what are we going to do about it? Um, If that makes sense. Does that make sense? I don't know. Well, since you mentioned, I was going to ask you about this a little later, uh, but you talked about talking about social causes on stage. I was talking to John from Brace Cove and he mentioned that I, unfortunately I'm a kind of a fake fan in the sense I haven't seen you all play live yet. Uh, I've unfortunately 2020 was going to be the year I could do that. And then it, it didn't. Um, yeah. But what was it like to, 
to is you said Ren, you were anxious to talk on stage during those first few shows, and then choosing and making that choice to then start talking about the things you're passionate about. Was that a was that a, a switch that flipped instantly, or was there a lot of deliberation behind kind of that choice? And what was that first like experience like? It was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still am like have a difficult time with it sometimes. Um, but it was like, it was super, super intentional. Cause I feel like to me, if you have a microphone in your hand, um, you know, that's like a huge power dynamic, mm -hmm. like be the one on stage. And like, even if you're not in front of the stage, like if you're in any kind of proximity, like you have to listen to what I have to say. And so to me, it just seemed like a really huge missed opportunity and like misuse of my own, like power in that moment to not use the stage mm. and my voice to say something important and worthwhile. So <laughs> it took a lot of practice, which we got a lot of practice by going on tour. And the first time that I spoke on stage was a disaster, I would say, <laughs> like in my own brain, yeah. because I was like shaking and I'm pretty sure I cried. I've cried a lot on stage. Not on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I always try really hard to not, but like it's a combination of just my anxiety and also my anger mm -hmm. and so like having to like get over feeling embarrassed mm -hmm. about it and just do it anyway is something I still struggle with. But over time, like it's gotten easier, I think, and I've gotten a lot better at doing it. Um, but yeah, it's not something that I wanted to do in the sense of like I was just really afraid to do it mm -hmm. but to me not doing it would be like it's just like not an option at the same time gotcha how what how have audiences then uh reacted to that because like despite like punk being a at its core a socially aware and a very socially conscious genre of music you find times fans don't aren't as receptive as they probably should be to that idea. So listening to somebody talk about something on stage, I, I wonder as from someone from the perspective of the stage, how do you feel that is that always gone over well then, or is it, is it mixed bag? I mean, generally I think the people, like the people that understand like what we're about mm -hmm. are receptive to it. Mm -hmm. There's been times where there've been people who are just at the show and uh, you can tell that they're like, it turns them off and they, they leave the room. Mm -hmm. or... I've had several times where yeah. people will just walk out of their room because they don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, and I should say that like before I speak on stage, I always give some sort of like content warning. Mm -hmm. I realize that there's always going to be people in the room who absolutely do not need to hear what I have to say because they've experienced it or have more knowledge. Um, but I've also seen times when I'll say something like, I'm about to talk about whiteness and white supremacy, and I'll see white people like scoff and like walk off. And sometimes I think like even them just like hearing that this is something that you need to think about is mm -hmm. useful. But I've also have had times where I'll preface something by saying, I probably don't need to talk about these things because you probably all already know this, but then I'll be surprised and find that like Ace was saying, there's someone maybe in the background who did needed to did need to hear something. But um, I try really hard to 
make sure that whatever it is that I'm saying is something that the people in front of me need to hear. Mm. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try really hard to not say something that like everybody already probably agrees with at like a surface level. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause on some, in some ways I want to piss people off because I want to make sure that they're actually thinking about what I'm saying. But I also try to make sure that I'm including some sort of action step. So in the past, I think I've done stuff where I'll have like um, a flyer for like a rally or an event that I want them to attend or a survey I want them to fill out or um, some, some kind of thing that they can actually do so that we're not just like talking about things, we're mm-hmm. actually doing things. And then since you said you learned or you, that kind of you, you learned how to do that through touring, did you, when, when on tour and when you go on tour, do you then pick specific topics that are very much location specific then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So like an example of that would be um, when we were in Seattle um, and like that general area, there was a group of indigenous folks um, in Hawaii that were protesting a um, telescope that Mm. was being built and it was like desecrating the sacred um, mountain. And so I was like talking to people about that because that was like in their direct area. Um, That's an example. I don't know if you could think of another example, but yeah, I try to make it like relevant to the people and like, I'll usually like do some sort of research about like what's going on in that area or like finding out if there's like a protest happening in that area, which a lot of times there are. We actually participated in a protest in Olympia while we were down there, which was kind of interesting. There was like a march happening, um, and that was related to um, different like murders in the area okay. of um, people that were just like going ignored because of their identities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. okay. Well, we can then move on to the EP, which you just released uh, in July of this year, which is Open Then Spit. And now researching the this interview and kind of putting things together, I noticed that everything you've released have been in January. Uh, the EP, or <laughs> Snot, On Your Knees, and the, and the demo have all been released in January. Is there a reason why you chose to, uh, to break that cycle with this one? Or, or was it just as, not as, uh, as not thought? out is or you don't think about it when you do it i should say the easy question here uh well i mean like i said the uh i think probably everything that we've recorded has come out six months or mm-hmm. <laughs> after we recorded them and so it just uh just so ha- so happened that you know we didn't record these songs until january okay. this time so yeah uh, so like six months later, yeah. <laughs> July. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that too, when we were talking about it, um, was it really sucks to tour in the winter. So like there's part of us that was trying mm-hmm. to like not do a winter release. And that's why we did that single. Um, yeah. What even was the name of that single? Wait, wait which one? Undone? Yes. See, you know, Undone? you know our band oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we put out a single. single. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was something that gave us a you know something more to tour off of. But that was more current than because again, like mm-hmm. at, at that point in time when we put it undone, we recorded on your knees a year before that. Mm-hmm. 
So it was like kind of, yeah, trying to get something more current to, to promote. Because mm-hmm. um, I was wondering why Undone was just this random one-off, like released in like end of 2019. So. No, we didn't really talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that was a song that we actually had, we, I think we were going to, it would have wound up, we were, we were working around the time that we recorded Snot, mm-hmm. actually, and then, but it didn't make it on that record, it didn't make it on On Your Knees, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, we're going to do we this. We got to do something mm-hmm. with that song. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, and then you shot, there was a music video shot for that one as well. Did you, who'd you work with for that one? And was that a concept you'd been like working on or was that just kind of like a, you, you passed it off to a filmmaker and wanted them to see what they could do? Uh, so it was shot in this house. Okay. Um, and we did that ourselves. Nice. And I, that's all I have to say about it. Um, so like on that music video, we also worked with the people who are all in that video to like all kind of direct it together and shoot it together. Um, but the concept of that was because that song is basically about like having, um, conflict with someone that you really care about Mm -hmm. and not really knowing how to fix it. And so the two who are fighting in that video over like a game of Monopoly, I believe, (laughs) was our friends uh, Natalia and Max. Okay. And it was actually really fun shooting that because the whole time that they're yelling at each other in that music video, they're actually saying really nice things. (laughs) So they're yelling stuff like, why are you so damn beautiful? I hate you. (laughs) Kind of like silly and cute. That's cool. Uh, well, so we can move on to open then spit. So dirty junk, as I'd say is a, obviously it's easy to say it's a political band because listening to the things you talk about, but like listening, especially to that lead single off this EP phobic, I've ne- like, this is the first time I felt the band is, I should say timely in, as opposed to kind of greater concept, like ongoing things that are always kind of discussed. It feels like open then spit. Some of the songs feel much more timely to what we're dealing with here in like 2019, 2020, 2018. So talk about writing that record and um, yeah, talk about, talk to me about writing the songs on that record and kind of what, what it's about. So a lot of those things are um, themes that we've revisited kind of like pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in a, in a lot of ways we're still kind of, covering like lyrically covering the same things that like we've always done it's just that maybe a little bit um other people are kind of starting to catch up um because i do feel like there's been a lot of times when people uh have kind of felt like maybe i go too hard on like political stuff or i go too hard on like race issues and gender issues and stuff like that but it seems like now people are a lot more aware about what's mm-hmm. going on for like very obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but putting that record out like did get delayed a while because mm-hmm. of everything that was going on. And so our original single was not going to be phobic. And we did choose that one in particular because it was more timely with what okay. was happening. Um, and like those are things that we've always kind of 
stood for. Um, but also, I feel like the music makes a lot more sense with our message now because mm-hmm. we are a lot noisier. I don't know if you want to add to that. I don't know if I'm answering your question. Oh, no, you're, you're answering the question. No, I, yeah. I mean... The, the the fact that you mentioned that phobic you chose phobic over what was the original single gonna be do you remember or it was gonna be hate you okay because uh we felt that that was a good uh, departure from like yeah. what people have associated with our band like sonically mm-hmm. so but then you know they just it did it didn't I mean, there were there were multiple reasons why we, right, yeah. why it felt it was more appropriate to mm-hmm. go with phobic. Well, yeah, phobic. I mean, it felt like it resonated because it it was released. I mean, the murder of George Floyd at poli- in police custody happened, and we have issues. We have weird issues with like Nazis now and stuff like that. Like it it weirdly fits the puzzle pieces to as like culturally. So it made, it makes sense that you would want to release that as opposed to. You know, something like Hate You. But since you mentioned Hate You, that song, you you said it breaks away from your sound. Like, Ren, you now are screaming on that song, which you really didn't do previously. I think there might be one song. There's, like, shrieks, but not, like, the, the vocals you're doing. And then I know, Ace, you sing more on this EP as well. So talk to me about the decisions to do, one, the dirty vocals, and two, Ace, moving into more vocals as well um i mean i i don't think there was a whole lot to decide really about about either of those things i think that they just kind of happened <laughs> like okay yeah i like i like i like that idea uh like in terms of like with ren screaming and and deciding to, <laughs> just like oh yeah it'd be cool to have uh, you do the vocals for this yeah. one okay well all right so sure. the vocals a lot of times like is kind of just like leaves to me to kind of like that's because yeah. it's like typically my mm-hmm. instrument yeah. um but like i have been trying for quite some time to get ace to do more vocals um, but I've been doing it sneakily, and it's <laughs> didn't even realize that was in my plan. But, so I'm really excited that he's doing more mm-hmm. vocals, because um, I really like his voice, and I like the way that it, you know, especially in juxtaposition to my voice, um, I just think it plays well off each mm-hmm. other. And as far as, like, the harsh vocals that I do, um, the reason I wasn't doing them before was because I didn't know how. Okay. I really wanted to, but I didn't want to hurt myself while I was doing it. So I actually did um, vocal lessons okay. with my friend Natalie, who is in Sleep Debt and um, Naive Sense and Contentious, which was a blip on the screen. But uh, So she helped me out a lot with that. And so now I can do harsh vocals. So we're hoping to include that a lot more. Okay. Ace, do you do you do vocals while playing drums then too on the kit? Yeah, I mean I try. <laughs> oh, good. I try. It's 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 the hardest thing is especially when playing at like a, a different venues where like okay the drum kit's gonna be all the way in the corner here or like like I like to have it set up so that we're side by side mm-hmm. when we're playing live usually. So, but uh, sometimes it's just not possible, and then it, it's you become dependent on. Uh, like the, the kind of mic stands that 
the venue offers and it, you know so it kind of ranges like oh well, I guess I can't really do vocals because this isn't this setup doesn't really yeah. allow me to access the microphone very, very well or, but I try. Um, <laughs> you should talk about the Midwest tour. Uh, the last one um, with with Optimal Crime. Yeah. So Ren blew out her voice. Uh, on the, on, the first night. The first, Ooh. First night of Chicago, and then I kind of just I just I just kind of tried to fill in what I could, uh, which I mean was probably a train wreck, but I tried. It was super punk rock though. Yeah. He like filled in for a lot of the parts. There was one set that we did with almost no vocals, but. And then on, like, our last night, he could tell that I was, like, starting to go out again because the very last night I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so he, like, jumped right in and, like, did the vocals for me. It was a magical moment. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. No, I have so much respect for, like, watching Casual perform and Paul, the drummer for that band, do vocals while while slamming on the kit. Like, it's so much respect. Uh, one thing else on the on the EP that's new for the band is samples. Like you've been, you were using samples for a lot of stuff specifically. Um, there's one, there's chanting from the MN freedom to drive, uh, on phobic, which Ren, didn't you work with that coalition? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's like one of the examples I gave about like action stuff. So, um, I hosted like a show in relation to that event and then at a couple other shows that we played I also was trying to get um, basically like signatures and trying to like get people to come out to that event and so that was for a bill that would have allowed um, anybody to have access to driver's licenses which it ultimately did not pass. Um, they've been trying to get that bill passed for quite some time. Um, I could go on forever about it, but yeah, so that, that sample was um, direct, directly related to that, and that was actually around the time that we wrote Phobic, mm -hmm. so that song, Phobic, you know, it, it works now in relation to what's going on with, you know, the police brutality and murder of George Floyd, but originally it was about seeing all of these politicians using these this like incredibly racist rhetoric to try to keep people from having this like basic right of just being able to like drive safely. Mm -hmm. And so like calling that out and letting people know like you're not against this thing because it's unsafe, you're against this thing because you're racist and that's totally different. Um, so that's like what that song is about and why we chose to use that sample. Mm -hmm. And then there's a sample in the intro of Open Then Split, uh, or Spit, excuse me, So uh, the title track. So talk to me about that one. Who is that specifically? Breaks. Okay. So uh, uh, that's that's just a um, – um, there was like another video that kind of was a compilation of uh, him just like – Nope, this is not. This isn't real. <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. like, oh nope, that's that's not true. Like, oh, that's that was a lie. <laughs> you know, and, uh, the idea uh, for for that song um, was about was about uh, like environmental uh, 
issues and um, so the idea was that the samples there is kind of like representing like I guess like a how how uh, conservatives tend to like you know discredit mm-hmm. uh, any environmental protections or you mm-hmm. know climate change isn't real and what and whatnot so it kind of just like took took that and just kind of cut up his uh, cut it up and just mixed it around and uh, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah that's basically that mm-hmm. so gotcha and then with the the fact because Ace don't you you do a lot of the vocals on Open Then Spit right. Yeah. 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 Like his song. Did you did you write the lyrics on that one then, or is that mainly Ren driven? That's that's. that's I yeah, I wrote all the lyrics on that. Um, but Ace has been starting to write lyrics on like our newer stuff, so that's cool. But on that record, I wrote all the lyrics for the most part. Yeah, but I mean, we always—I kind of, I mean, we always give like uh, feedback. Yeah, he gives yeah. me a lot of good feedback, which is cool because he'll tell me when something sounds stupid, or like <laughs> he'll tell me when he like disagrees with like my word choice or even like the content of a song. Um, and also, um, just working together to make sure that because we both take the approach that like vocals are an instrument, like mm. it's not just a means of like expressing an idea, like. So if the vocals don't go along with the song and we need to change the melody and like the pattern of it, then we work on that together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, moving away from the EP, you so you've released the three the three main releases through Don't Panic Distro uh, out of Chicago, which I believe you were the first non-Chicago band to be out on that label. Yeah. Tell me, tell me how you got connected with them and all that stuff. Uh, so Danny is a friend of mine mm. from uh, college, except I don't think we ever talked to each other. Mm. Um, we went to NIU. I'm from Chicago originally, mm. um, and uh, like I mentioned before, I have horrible, horrible anxiety. And so in college, I was like literally too afraid to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. So even though Danny had attended shows at my house, I never spoke to him until we were both living in Chicago. And then um, I kind of just started like talking to him because of like going to shows and stuff. Um, and then we had played in Chicago a handful of times just on tour and whatever and one of the shows that we were playing we were playing with um, another don't panic band uh, fitness okay and I was just like casually talking to him about how like yeah we have this EP we're thinking about like looking for a label but we don't know and then he was just like I'll put it out you know <laughs> You want that though? You don't have to do that. I'm just saying, and I was just like, "Hell yeah, let's do that!" And then we did that. <laughs> nice. It's a very serendipitous kind of kind yeah. of joining, which has opened the way because Optimal Crime Ace, the other band you play in right now, just put out an EP on on Don't Panic as well. Mm-hmm. So open the door for for the non for non Chicago bands. Yeah, <laughs> which is really exciting because mm-hmm. like uh, we went on like optimal crime had their first tour with dirty junk 
And so it's cool to now see them on the same label with us and like get to like rep our friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many tours have you got? Because how many tours have you done? Are you do tour frequently sans a pandemic then or? Um... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's slowed, it's slowed down the uh, last couple of years while she was in uh, school. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, something I also wanted to talk about was the the big three releases, not on your knees and now open and spit. The artwork is almost as feral as the music that's inside it. And see, and you've worked with Joel uh, Janito. I don't know how to pronounce his, their name. What got you connected with them? And what about the artwork makes it, you want to stick with it for release after release? Um, yeah, Joel, uh, I have a story about this too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, that was also like a serendipitous moment because we were playing a show at Seward at the same time that Joel had um, an art show there. Mm-hmm. And so we were on stage and like had his artwork behind us. And then he and all over the place. Too, yeah, yeah, all over the place. And he gave us a tour of like all of his pieces. Yeah, and then I mean I I I really dig his style, so mm. what we both do, and I, I, everything that he's has, that he's done for us so far, is, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, match the aesthetic. I mm. think that we've been aiming for. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, we're kind of coming into the end here, then. Uh, so I want to ask about well, where can people find you? I, I usually ask at this point what. Or what's the rest of the year look like for you? But I don't know if anyone knows what the rest of 2020 looks for, looks like for anybody. So where can people find Dirty Junk if they want to find the EP, listen to your music? Yeah, I don't know if you have anything else you want to plug. Um, I mean, you know, the usual Instagram, Facebook. Uh, We're on Twitter, but I don't actually know how to use Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've never used Twitter. I forget it exists so. sometimes, but we're on it. Um, but yeah, you know, there's the Don't Panic Bandcamp, uh, the Spotify, uh, Spotify all the other streaming Apple, you know, streaming stuff. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we had plans to definitely go on tour again. Um, but obviously, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of threw a whole a wrench into uh, mm-hmm. yeah. the summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're trying to put a music video out that we had recorded a while ago, and I just haven't got onto editing it. Okay. What's the what's the what's the music video? What's the song that the music video is for? If you want to share, uh, if not, if you want to keep it a secret, you can keep it a yeah, secret. Let's keep it a secret. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I might not even do it. There might not even. And we might even. We could even even just do a different. I mean, it could be yeah. a different song even. But no, <laughs> I mean, it could be. <laughs> we can't. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, we don't have a whole lot to plug. I think. Okay. Well, we got Aces in Optimal Crime. Uh, Ren, you have a new project. <laughs> I did have a new project. Oh, you did? Oh, no. Um, we were actually, like, really excited about it because uh, so a while ago you had put out your, like, top uh, 
albums for the year, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah, our, yeah, our favorites and, list. Uh, project included members from like three of those bands oh and really I... I don't even know what's gonna happen but <laughs> yeah okay on that. i don't know how much i'm allowed to say okay. about it so. gotcha no yeah i because i had seen instagram stories involving one of the members and you together and i was very excited because i i yeah. love that other band so yeah it was a, a band with members from uh dirty junk uh-huh Sleeped at Grogus oh. morality crisis. So, well, yeah. hopefully you can figure that out because that makes me sad if that won't happen. But okay, I think it's definitely gonna happen. Yeah. It's just a matter of when. When, yeah, yeah. But anyway, well, thank you so much for taking some time to come and sit down and talk to me, social distanced wise, I should yeah. say. So it's cool seeing yeah. you. Because I've like listened to a lot of your podcasts, but I like don't know what you look like, so it's like, oh, now I have a face. Yeah, it's it's fun be, and it's not that fun. It's kind of creepy the fact that I'll stand in a room and I'll be like, I know who you are, and you are, and you are, and no one knows who I am. <laughs> the anan- the anonymity it it gives me sometimes, but awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having yeah, us. The Ear Coffee Podcast is a companion to the blog of the same name. If you like this episode. Please leave us a rate and review so we can stand out among the other music podcasts. You can follow us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ear Coffee. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.